0: Hey, this is Dan Savage from the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Garrett, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic!
1: What's up, Magic fans, and welcome to episode twenty-eight of Penny for Your Thoughts. My name is Mikey. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by the gruesome twosome. Um I stole that line from you from the other week, Paul. You're uh, going to say that's my line? Yeah, I know, but <laughs> got to find something original <laughs> for next week. You guys, all right? How's the Achilles, Paul? Paul's been uh, uh, walking for charity for the last what forty
2: days. Uh, yes, yeah. Oh, last one was today. Finished today. Finished with an eight-mile walk and uh, yeah, the Achilles is good. It's held up, so happy good with lad. that. Good lad. Geraint, have you Raised. cheered up?
3: Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm good. happy with the trade now and uh, excited to have our guest on tonight, a famous Magic fan.
1: <laughs> As uh, Zach Lowe <laughs> said on his podcast, one of only about three and one of one of about 85 Magic fans in the world, which we all I know. funny. <laughs> We've we got four
3: trouble. in the same room now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we're delighted to be joined by uh, Kevin Clark, who's a writer for The Ringer, covers the NFL, um, a big Magic fan. Uh, I think you were born in Orlando, yeah,
0: Kevin. Yeah, born and raised, born and raised. And, uh,
1: so you're glutton for punishment just like the three of us being a magic it was, fan
0: <laughs> I was all listen it was the good times for like the first i don't know 13 years 12 years something like that it was only later in life that it became the the what it is now so <laughs> you have to take the good with the bad this is the tax i'm paying for the penny and shack in white years
2: <laughs> love it <laughs> Good stuff. And, um, for me, then, Mikey, when when do I start earning something? Because I'm obviously paying the tax well in advance. <laughs> hey, you're paying the you're paying the repeaters tax. That's what you're paying at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes, I, I started following the team in sort of 2013. So uh, that's that's the point I came to the uh, to the NBA. So it's uh, only been rebuilds that I've known except for the. Uh, 2018, 19
0: season. Than that, I mean, at least you get another, a different rebuild this time, right? Like that's the variety <laughs> yes. you get. You don't get winning and losing. You just get another, another version of a rebuild. So that should be exciting for you.
2: <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Actually, I'm quite excited for this one. I think it's looking good. Yeah,
1: absolutely. um So yeah, thank you for coming on, Kevin. I know we we said before we start recording, you've been smashing out the podcast. You're on. Zach Lowe's The Low Post yesterday, which is one of my favorite podcasts. These guys always uh rib me for that because I'm always telling them <laughs> to listen to it. Um, you were on the uh, Orlando Magic radio show with Jake mm-hmm. Chapman. Uh-huh. Uh, you're on Bill Simmons' podcast last oh, week, yeah. straight after the trade deadline. Um, so you've got some good insight there on, on what you thought. Um, we're going to ask you a few questions later about the moves the magic made and stuff like that. But for those who don't follow you or don't know who you are, um, so for some of our followers, how how did you get into becoming a Magic fan? I know you're born in Orlando, yeah. um, and how did you get into covering the NFL for the, for the Ringer?
0: So start with the Magic part first. I mean, when you grow up, uh, probably not. I, I I probably had a different experience than most people. Um, almost a little bit like English soccer or something like that. Where I grew up, a mile and a half from the Orlando Arena, maybe, and so okay. it all seemed very normal to me. Um, you know, I grew up going to Orlando Magic basketball camp when I was a kid. I was actually at we well, Magic Basketball Camp the day we lost Shaq, um, and I remember kind of the assistant coaches kind of realizing the world had changed. And you know, I'm I'm however, however old I was, six or seven years old. I'm just thinking, oh, this is fine. We'll be back. Um, and so it was it was natural. You know, I I first kind of was aware of it even before, obviously well before the Penny and Shaq kind of I was a toddler when it was when Reggie Theus was the biggest star if you guys know who that is um they were really bad in the beginning but there was such a sense of community and those guys you know they were always doing whether it was Terry Catledge or Greg Kite or Mark Akers or uh Sam Vincent all of those guys were they would they were always out in the community they would always do um, meet-and-greet type stuff because Orlando had never been a pro sports town um, it, it wasn't it was a college town and in some ways it still is where you know if you put a Florida Gators or, or Florida State game in, in Orlando uh, football game um, that'll be the center of attention the magic won't be um, but it was even more so in in the early 90s and so um, again it all seems so normal and, and small and even when Shaq and Penny came you know I the, the thing I always think about is there was a Super Bowl commercial, um, which is the height of kind of marketing in America. And it was with Penny Hardaway and Tyra Banks and Little Penny, and it was filmed about four blocks from my house. And I remember watching it and thinking, well, this is normal, this is fine. Oh, that's four blocks from my house. And now when I look at it now, and not only were we a bad team, but you you just realize how amazing it all was um, to have Shaq and Penny in your community And, you know, to have the finals in 1995 and and you just think, okay, this was not normal. I had an, I got incredibly lucky as a young person. And now I, I, I look back on it with more amazement than when I saw it because it was just um, because I was so young, I just didn't know how lucky I was, I guess you could say. Um, as far as NFL goes, you know, football is the dominant sport in Florida. Um, played in high school, followed it in college, went to University of Miami. Um, went to the Wall Street Journal for a couple of years in uh, in New York, started covering football there full-time, um, covered a little bit in Miami as well, uh, and then just kind of progressed from there. Got hired by the ringer in 2016 and and just kind of fell in love with with the coverage part of it. Um, the Magic, from a team standpoint, from, from that sort of passion, will always be, my number one, but from, from as far as following a league and all that stuff, I really, really love following football.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Good times. Um, well, we've got two good games to talk about, uh, yeah. that happened since our last podcast. So we've got the Lakers and the Clippers games, uh, to recap. Um, Two, two similar games really where the Magic got off to a bit of a slow start offensively on both games and, and really turned turn the dial up in the second half. Um, the Lakers game we obviously saw the, the return of RJ, oh sorry, the, the first game of RJ Hampton, yeah. Otto Porter and uh, Wendell Carter Jr in a Magic uniform. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, it was a close game. I actually didn't see half of the third quarter. Uh, that's a, that's another story. But that's a, a mess. <laughs> that's a mess up with my league pass. So we took a five point oh, no. lead, and uh, I didn't see that. Um, and we tied the game up with a th- with an Otto Porter three at the end of three. Um, but it was really costly fouls and and inefficient shooting. Really, that sort of helped, which didn't really help us win that game yeah. against the Lakers. And we lost ninety six to ninety three. Has anybody got any thoughts on the Lakers game and, and sort of first impressions of the new guys? Paul?
2: Yeah, um, mate, I thought, would just say both games for me, uh, full of fight and grit from the team. Really good to see. Um, Lakers, I'm going to say, I thought Cliff was a little bit harsh um, in his press conference after the game. Um, at the end of the day, three guys have joined the team. They've had no practice They've come onto a road trip and they've played. Mistakes were always going to happen. Right. Um, I think it's more a case of they are going to diminish. And it seemed to me they diminished last night as a little bit of familiarity grew up. Uh, Dwayne Baker played really well, 26 points. Yep. Um, mate, I'll I'll say as much as you want about Tuma. My God. The guy over the last four games... Just hats off to him. So impressive performances. And, you know, he's, it's not just scoring. He's, at, he's passing the ball. Yeah. He's, he's defending really well. Um, against the Lakers, he faced Morris, Schroeder and Kuzma. Um, three different guys to, to defend against, each presenting a different challenge. And he really, really played well in that game against those three players on defence. Um, it's easy to get lost amongst his scoring, but his defence is something that we are going to look forward to watching and it's going to be a big, big factor for us. We're going to be very hard to score on once we get this familiarity between all the players, because I think Wendell Carter Jr. has got a good defence as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like I'm obsessed with Tumor Kiki because it feels like every, time, every week we have a new guest on, And I feel like every week I'm asking them about Tuma. I'm going to ask Kevin, because I know you've been uh, talking a lot about Tuma the last few days, but um, what, what are you seeing from Tuma at the moment? Because I think he's really starting to look comfortable out on the floor at the moment.
0: He really does. And I think that if this was his rookie season or if he was drafted last year, there'd be a lot more awareness of him and hype around him. I think that the fact he's developing the way he is, is really important. And I think that, You know, one thing I want to avoid because I just saw this over the past, you guys saw it too, over the past seven, eight years, is him trying to fill the gaps in our scoring or trying to be the superstar. Almost like, I think Aaron Gordon suffered a little bit because of that, because we had a hole at superstar. He was trying to be that superstar. And so with Chuma now, I want him to play his style of basketball and not try to take too many shots and let it come naturally, because I think on a team like this, where there's a lot of losing, and there's a lack of development because of it, and all that stuff. Why don't we let Dwayne Bacon and Otto Porter Jr. and and those guys, Terrence Ross certainly. Let's let them heave up a bunch of shots, and and, and have have um, Chuma play his natural game. I've loved him. Yeah. I loved his intelligence in traffic. I love obviously his his ability to shoot the deep ball. Um, I totally agree with you, Paul. The, the defense is something that, that we're not probably talking enough about nationally. I think that we have, and this is something Zach Lowe said in the podcast yesterday. But I think a lot of times when you're in total rebuild situations, you don't have anything. You're just you're just absolutely uh, wiping the slate clean. And I don't think that's the case here. I think yeah, between I Fultz, Fultz being healthy, Isaac being healthy, and then mm-hmm. Chuma, and then Cole Anthony for depth behind Fultz, I think that is a really, really good building block. And that's why I think this is a more impactful and important rebuild than it was eight years ago. Yes, Vooch was good, but he was still developing. These guys are further along. I mean, this is not 30 year old Vooch um that we're building around these are young guys who can play who have defined roles so much about the last rebuild didn't make sense it was just hennigan acquiring assets and then just seeing what we could do with them it was a lot of not being able to shoot i mean that was kind of the original sin of everything was just that the hennigan thought that shooting could come later and never came or ne- never came later chuma is the exact right guy to have to start this building process
1: i'm gonna I'm gonna skip a few sections because I've actually got a question that follows on from that, really, that I was gonna ask you about. So this is almost rebuild 2.0 yep. <laughs> that we're going yep. through since Dwight got traded. Um, what do you think? Obviously, we need a lot of luck, but what else yep. do you think we need to go our way? What's what what things do we need to learn from that didn't go right under Rob Hennigan?
0: Well, I, I think you saw it. First of all, the shooting is important and just not taking that for granted because I think that literally he said when, when Hennigan was fired, Josh Robinson reported that Rob Hennigan literally thought that shooting can be developed and maybe it can, and maybe he saw things in Oklahoma city. Maybe he, th- he saw things um, over the course of his career where, where that happened, but I, I'm not ready to, to, to draft more sh- uh, shooting prospects who might develop it, you know, five years from now. I don't want to do that. Um, if we can get a guy who can score now, I want to do it. But, you know, I was looking at Corey Kispert from, from Gonzaga as someone who, if we hit, if we don't get the lottery luck, just draft a guy who can hit shots. That, that's all I care about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, keeping Terrence Ross around is so important for that because somebody's got to score. Um, I think that a more deliberate, to answer your question, a more deliberate plan rather than just drafting and seeing how it goes, you know, I, one of the frustrating things we had Oladipo playing point guard and handling the ball mm. his first year um, in, in Orlando. And it's like, what are we, what are we doing developmentally? Like, it, it's almost like we're not trying to develop specific players at specific roles. We were just trying to get these guys on the team bus and just seeing what would happen. And I don't think Jacques Vaughn or James Brego or even Frank Vogel were the, were the coaches, uh, that we're going to, or Scott Skiles, certainly, uh, were the coaches who were going to be patient and and develop these guys. You know, we traded Tobias Harris for almost no reason because Scott Skiles was upset, yeah. um, gave him away, literally gave him away, Did, didn't, didn't retain anything from that trade with Brandon Jennings and Ilya Silva. And so I think you need a coach who's patient. I think you need a coach who's honest. And if you saw uh, Clifford's comments after the game with Los Angeles, he's, he's going to do that. And so I think that um, a more thought out, rebuild and a more thought out acquisition acquisition of the building blocks is what's needed. And I think that they, they've got that between Weltman and Hammond and, and Clifford.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing with this group that we saw again in last night's game against the Clippers was <laughs> there's so much fight in this team. There's so yeah. much that they seem like they're together already and they there. <laughs> you know I mean, mm-hmm. with all the new players coming in and lots of uncertainty, I suppose, for a lot of them, um, like I said, Clifford's going to be a bit of a, a glue guy coach, really, in, in terms of that. Um, so, early, so last night, if you haven't seen the game, uh, the Magic uh, beat the LA Clippers. Uh, they were down early, 12 to 0. Um, they trailed by as many as 16 in the second quarter, struggling offensively, uh, but a huge turnaround in the second half. We were really active defensively, forcing turnovers, uh, air balls. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. had three blocks in there as well. Uh, we trailed by nine with three and a half minutes to go, and the Magic went on a twenty-one to five run to stun the Clippers, uh, and we won one hundred three to ninety-five. Uh, Tuma finished with eighteen points, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. with eleven point six rebounds, three assists, and three blocks. Um, Gee, what was your? Uh, well, I want you to be honest on this because earlier you were not happy <laughs> because it's chalking up against yeah. the win column. <laughs> yeah
3: I, i'm a, a little bit concerned because yeah. this we, we don't want nobody likes a tank right let's just get that out on mm-hmm. you know nobody likes the tank you want the guys to try you want to see that heart and hustle sort of uh mentality from the team um but we've got what 26 games left we're not making the playoffs. Um, And whilst it's good that everybody's coming together and they're all fighting for each other and they are fighting for their NBA lives, essentially, aren't they? Because they want to make the roster next year. But um, some teams are out tanking us and we don't want to we don't want to miss out on a top three, four player, do we? Um, So it's one of these situations where you can't win Um, because you win. Some of the fans are unhappy. Um, you lose, and then the the tankers are happy, but there's no guarantees for the lottery, so like I said, you just can't win Um, I watched the game, and we won, and whilst you're happy we won, you're thinking oh no, now we're four games ahead of Minnesota for that that worst record, are they going to win another four games this year? Probably maybe four or five, but are we going to lose out? I don't think so so, I don't know I don't know, what do you think Kev? So I'm in agreement with you. I'm
0: extremely worried about that. I would say, I I remember, I don't remember what year this was. It was the year we lost. And I think Utah won late in the season. And it was, it was a big thing. Uh, I think it was 2014 maybe. And it was, Oh, we're we're climbing up in the lottery. It was April. We were all excited about it. And a, you don't get the lottery luck. uh, And so it doesn't matter or B the prospects just don't end up being who you want it to be. And so when you've gone through the process and I've gone through it, eight times now nine times i mean yeah. you think about how many times i mean going back you know dwight howard 2004 we won all that stuff but for me when i think about the lottery and these little um machinations within it so we have a, we have 16 wins minnesota has 11 houston and detroit have 13 uh cleveland has 17 we don't want to get in that cleveland washington 17 win range no. so, so let's take it easy for the next couple games but what i will say is when i think about chuma where I think about some of these guys, you know, when Cole Anthony gets gets returns to, to full health and all that stuff, I do think there needs to be some semblance of a culture built. And if you saw the dagger last night um, that the Carter Williams shot, and you saw the bench and how excited they were, and they were—I mean, it was almost like it was almost like when a uh, you know someone scores a, a winner at the World Cup, they they were off the bench and they were celebrating in the corner and they left the bench, and it was like that to me. Uh, is as important as four percentage points in the lottery or something like that. It's just giving these guys, and yeah. you know, there's an, there's an old story uh, about Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboys coach, where when they were terrible, they were one in 15. When he took over, he come from the university of Miami. He'd won all, everything he could at college. He goes to, to, goes to the NFL. And he started to, at the end of practice simulate game winning kicks. They were an awful team. He would simulate game winning kicks. And when they made it, he would make the players celebrate like they just won the Super Bowl. And somebody asked Jimmy Johnson, why are you doing this? He said, because these guys need to learn how to win. They need to learn how to, the feeling of winning so that when it comes, it feels natural. And I understand the tanking part of it. I want to tank. I would be extremely happy if we got the third or fourth, fourth worst record. But I also think that someone like Chuma the, the guys on the bench even Mo Bamba even though he was on the floor he was celebrating with the team last night I do think there you have to be very careful not to be too bad and try yeah. to lose because when it when it comes time to winning you have to know how to do it.
1: Yeah and we've yeah. seen already haven't we that losing this season yeah. becomes a habit that you can yeah that you can lose just as much as you can as you can gain as we saw in 2018-19. What are you gonna yeah. say Paul?
2: I was gonna say um the question still arises for me that are we better going for a prospect so as we keep losing and we get a better draft pick um, bear in mind we're only going to get one position better because it's the bottom three that are all going to have the same same lottery yes. odds Yeah. yeah. Um, so is it a huge thing that we win a few games? Not really or are we are we better getting a little bit of a few wins here and there, getting a little bit of experience for the players, and then with the cap space and the and the trade exception that we've got, using that to bring in somebody who is more established, because we will be able to be very aggressive on the offer sheets yeah. for the restricted free agents when that period of the uh, rebuild comes. So I'm, I'm not sold on the the fact that we need to be in that bottom three as yet. I'm not sold on it. But then again, I don't watch sports to lose. <laughs> I'd rather seen see the team win, I'm sorry that's just me this is this
1: is where it's harder than the NFL, Kev, isn't it? because in the NFL, yeah. if you, win, you finish with the worst record you've got the number one pick in the draft and you've got seven rounds so the draft's a little bit more even, would you say, like the first round
0: there's I, not I would as say much that. of a
1: gap between prospects
0: mm-hmm. I would say that, but I would say that there's no position like quarterback where everything is centred around it and, and hoops, yeah. what I would say is that the the equivalent to that is a superstar, anybody, whether that's Giannis, whether that's Kawhi. I mean, we've seen some of these teams who are picking in the mid-first round who are able to hit on these types of guys. That's what you need. Everything, Nothing matters except the superstar. So when we're talking about restricted free agency, all that stuff, for me, that comes later. That comes, you know, we got Hito turkalu on, I think, the mid-level, um, whatever it was, 15 years ago. But that worked because we already had Dwight Howard. Eventually, we had Richard Lewis on a max contract, and that's where everything had to flow through Dwight Howard. All of the decisions that we made that were amazing under Otis Smith and Stan Van Gundy and, and all that stuff. Uh, again, Rashard, Hito Turkoglu, Michael Petris, who was just a phenomenon um, off the bench, and I, I loved him in, on defense. All those decisions made sense because Dwight Howard was there. And we would have, all of those players who I just adored, we would have been a five seed, a six seed without Dwight Howard, maybe even a seven seed. We would not have made the finals, all that stuff. And so we need to figure out how to get the superstar. And that, is, that requires a lot of lottery luck. It requires a lot of chances. That That's why I think it's so important that we have those top four protected picks from the Bulls. Even in 2025, look, if we're still looking for our star in 2025 with the Nuggets pick, that's not good. Um, but at least we have that option, okay, to have more firepower. And, you know, there, there's an old, I'll take it back to the NFL, but, you know, the Eagles owner said a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I we want draft capital because we're not so arrogant that we think we can outdraft people. We just want as many chances uh, to many add back I guess you said to use a baseball analogy as possible because it is a lot of luck. It is a guy. I remember, I remember guys looking at Andrew Wiggins the year before he came out because we thought we were going to get the first overall pick. And I was looking at his highlights and saying, Andrew Wiggins, we got to get him. That's how the rebuild starts right now. Not only do we not get Andrew Wiggins because we didn't get lottery luck, but Andrew Wiggins was not the franchise changing superstar. So you just have as many chances as you can. You hope for the best. And, and and I I do think that lottery, um, maximizing the lottery pick uh, to an extent is it should be a priority. Yeah.
1: And and I think Jabari Parker was
2: second Jabari Parker was so, Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? It's, this this is this is where I'm not 100% convinced yeah. that it's 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 the be all and end all. If we've got the fourth fourth best lottery odds as I understand it the top 5 stacked in this in this draft. Yep. Top 6 we're going to be picking, depending on how you ask.
0: Yeah?
2: yeah. So we're going to be getting somebody who has got a good potential. And are we, do, do you go for the best player available or do you go for a particular um, position or a particular need? Uh, that's and that's right. where, again, people disagree as to which one, which one you do. Uh,
3: let me ask yeah, you that. Le- oh, sorry, go ahead. That leads us on to one of the questions we've got. So with so many young players already on the roster, Kev, um, have you got any concern about who the Magic end up drafting and how these sort of pieces eventually fit together? Or is, or is it about acquiring the best, you know, talent now and then just seeing who's the best to stick so, with? So,
0: yeah, that, that's actually what I was going to ask you guys is with the exception of point guard, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like we can add anywhere. And if it's Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. you just take it and figure it out later. I think that the story of modern, bas- modern basketball basketball is guys can fit on the floor no matter their positions Um, again with the exception of probably point guard Um, maybe if you have two slow centers or whatever um, you don't want that but if if they can play and they're fast and they're adaptable you can throw them on the floor together so i'm not necessarily worried about that kind of fit as long as it's all thought out and we're all developing them within the context of the role sort of what i was saying earlier but everything needs to be deliberate and stuff like that i think the key is no matter what who we draft i don't care what position it is as long as it's two through five um, but I do care that they're developed as soon as they get here. And I do think that we, you know, if we hit on a lottery pick, the one thing I don't want to do, and this happened with the last rebuild is we would say, okay, well, we got this guy one more year back in the lottery. Let's, let's go again. I, I, I don't want to do that. If we get K to Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or any of these guys, I want to say, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to be a home court team this year. I want that to be the goal. And I want Isaac and fultz to get healthy and to build towards that. I don't want, The problem with the last rebuild was not the aim initially. It was the aim afterwards, which was, we're going to just keep getting these lottery guys. Mm. Um, We can let the bulls tank or whatever and take their picks. Once we get, once we get the the quote unquote star in Orlando, I want to see real development. I want to see them learning their position, learning how to win and, and going from there. So as far as positions go, you know, there's not. I don't think there's there's a guy that w- we would that would replace Fultz in this scenario. So I don't think I think it's a moot point. But I think any position is fine, um, and 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 Cliff can make that work.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So so, so person, just on yeah.
3: that then, so what are your thoughts on the coaching situation? I mean, Clifford's a very good coach. Yeah. Uh, perhaps he's not seen as a developmental coach, um, and does he want to? You know, coach a, a, a a rebuild so do you see us sticking with him or do you see us maybe bringing a a guy like jerry stackhouse or dare i say it penny hardaway
0: (laughs) i would listen i'd love to see penny i i worry this whole thing's a timing thing right is when do you bring in another guy stan van gundy happened to be the perfect coach in 2007 and thank god we didn't end up with billy donovan because he wouldn't have been nearly as good a coach when billy donovan pulled out of that and i think clifford is the right guy because you know i love that quote he said the other day where he said we're not going to make stuff up because that's a bad franchise to do we're just going to say if somebody played well or didn't play well and i think that's a shot indirectly at some of the younger players who we've all we've had, we've graded them on a curve instead of grading them as NBA players. And I still think Mobamba has a chance at success, but I feel like we, we just, we still kind of make excuses for him and all that stuff. Um, and I think that there's at some point we need to just be bluntly honest about, about who we are. And I think Cliff is good at that. Um, I think you give them probably two more years, something like that, and then assess where we are. Um, is there, would there be, would Penny at that point be an elite college coach who want to make the jump? Um, Jerry Stackhouse is an intriguing option. You see in this hiring cycle, even a number of good assistants go to college. Maybe they establish themselves. If we wanted to go that route, um, we could, or a top assistant, or listen, we get so good that, 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 you know, top, top guys want to come coach us. Um, you just don't know how that, how that's going to shake out. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I I'm not opposed to Cliff right now because I just don't know who else would make sense for the next, say, two years. I want these guys playing hard, and I I want them to play defense like that. There are not a lot of guys who are better than Cliff at teaching defense. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we get some superstars in, I think it's – the if Cliff is there, the worst-case scenario is these guys learn good defensive habits, and they learn, learn how to play hard, and that's not a bad
2: thing. Yeah. Um. Actually, it's inter- I thought it was interesting that last night down the stretch, that um, Coach Clifford went with Wendell Carter Jr. as the uh, at yeah. the center position. I thought it was quite a vote of confidence. It was an interesting decision, and I think it was justified by the by the final plays he made. he was a, it, it,
0: without a doubt, you know I, the the. the, the... The book on Wendell is that he gets bullied around a lot by bigger guys and that he, he wasn't as physical as he could be down low. But I think that's the definition of a developmental prospect. And if he was a perfect player, he wouldn't have been available as a throw in that trade. Yes. Um, and so I think that he, he's a really good, you know, Zach Lowe who knows worlds more about basketball than I do. He really likes the players we got in this. And I kept trying to mm-hmm. talk down the players and saying, the picks, the picks, the picks. And he kept saying, RJ Hampton is really good. Yeah. Wendell Carter can really develop into something. And I think that's, um, that's probably the overlooked part of this is that we got a lot of recent lottery picks who really have a chance to develop in the right scenario and that's why I like the idea of of a Wendell Carter who frankly at this point has shown more uh as a big than than Mo Bamba has uh, in in you know in the time he's been in Orlando
1: yeah talking about Mobamba Bamba because you mentioned him just now uh, Philip Rossman Reich always says this about Markel Fultz I think a lot of us now don't see Markel Fultz as number one Markel Fultz um and I think the same you could say the same about Mo Bamba. Now we don't really see him as the number six pick in that draft. It's more a case of we want to develop him into being able to stay on the floor. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's an important thing. And again, that's that's him learning his role and 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 developing and putting all these players in a in a position and and in a way that they can they can start growing their game. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was the trade from last week. I know you've sort of broke this down a little bit. Are you happy with the return we got for yeah. Vooch, AG, and, and Evan?
0: Yeah. And, and once, the more I thought about it, I was probably like you guys stunned that Vooch leaves because we'd heard so much about Fournier and Gordon and that Vooch was untouchable unless there was a big offer. And then Vooch goes first. And that was the, that was the strange part of it. And I think with... Once you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world that you wouldn't leave Vooch alone with a bunch of 22-year-olds, 19-year-olds, whatever. Yeah. Um, he's never played with as good of shooters as he could, and now you're just going to leave him playing with, with Dwayne Bacon and a bunch of these guys. It just didn't make any basketball sense. And I understand the idea. And I a lot of friends from home say, hey, we need we need a, a veteran like Vooch to bring along the young kids. Listen, we had Channing Fry. You know, seven years ago, we can get one of those guys. Okay, if Vooch is worth two first round, two essentially lottery picks, uh, top four protected, plus a handful of of, uh, of nice young pieces, you just take that and you figure it out. Um, even Otto Porter Jr. I mean, listen, I'm coming in with a clean slate on these guys, and and I kind of mm-hmm. like the way he played last night. Uh, I don't think he's you know a centerpiece of anything, but I think he can score, and and, and I kind of liked it. So, um, I, I was happy with the return once I saw it. I, I talked myself into it. I, I generally like this front office. Um, and I think that they're they're pretty smart mm-hmm. dudes. And, and we saw how patient that they've been. And one thing I didn't know, one thing I was worried about is sometimes you can confuse patients for being smart, right? Like, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, they were just stalling. And it turns out they weren't capable of anything. Mm-hmm. And what I saw last week is that the patience was actually in service of something good. And that's a big relief to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got, you got three people here that will still believe in, in them. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We said it on Saturday, didn't we? When we had Josh Robbins on, there's a, there's a bit of a, uh, an expectation of people on Twitter that think that the magic off front office just sit on their hands every trade deadline or or during the front or during the, during the off season. I don't think that's true at all. Like you said, a a bad, no move is better than a bad move at the end of the day. So, right,
0: exactly. Yeah, they could have given Vuce away two years ago when he wasn't at his peak, but they knew how he was developing, how the team was developing. I, I thought I that was very
2: interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, when uh, as part of the Evan trade, we got the trade exception. Yeah. Is that something you would use? And uh, have you any thoughts of how we could use it effectively? I've thought about that. I haven't seen any good names. You know, I mean, this is almost
0: like when we had uh, had the taxpayer exception this year, uh, mid-level rather. And it was like, okay, well, we have this, but then we don't, you know, like Jordan Clarkson was the rumor I heard, you know, once we Mm -hmm. had it. And so I actually haven't seen any names for $17 million. Have you guys seen any names that that pop out that that would make sense? Because I I haven't either. And I sometimes think that some of these um, mechanisms, uh, they can't be, you know, I think – you know, mid-level, again, is a pretty good except, uh, example where um, just because you have the mechanism doesn't mean uh, you can turn it into something valuable. So I'm, I'm happy that we have it. I just haven't heard any names that, that track with it.
2: Yeah. There's also been a lot of talk this week uh, with Drummond going to the Lakers and yeah. the Nets getting Griffin and Aldridge um, through the buyout market about um, how it's helping the rich get richer and is skewed against um, small market teams. What's your thoughts on that, Kev?
0: I think that, first of all, a lot of these big names are bigger names than players at this point. And, you know, I remember the Heat, the Miami Heat, we used to get these buyout guys when they had LeBron and, and Wade and Bosh. And then you'd see them play in, you know, April or the second game of the playoffs or whatever. And say, wow, these guys are, are done. These guys cannot play. Um, and so i'm not talking about drummond in general i'm just saying a lot of these buyout guys are bought out for a reason some of these guys get bought out early and and you know why that happens put that aside but i i tend to think if you guys were already rich beyond all imagination and you know were cut loose from a team that had you know just won 15 games or whatever i think going to play in los angeles for not a lot of money seems like a good a good thing and going you know playing in brooklyn with with three superstars seems like a good thing so i understand kind of the rich get richer mentality but i also understand if you're a free agent and you've already made a ton of money and you've been bought out and you're basically being paid to go play for somebody else um I, you would you would maximize your opportunity to win a ring and have fun so i don't think you know the, the problem with the whole like oh it hurts small market teams thing I mean, I guess you could make the argument that that somebody like a, a Milwaukee is hurt in that scenario, um, or even a Denver is hurt in that scenario. Um, but I also think that a, I think that it doesn't really matter all that much. I mean, there was there was a couple stories last week written about how how rarely that these things matter. Um, but then I, I also think that you know a, a team. A middling team isn't even in the market for a player like that. So you're really looking at, at only a handful of teams even competing for them, and and I just don't think it's a big enough problem to where the league would need to step in or anything like that. I the system is is kind of fine as it is.
2: Yeah, I saw the Christmas. and you know, I, I've got to be honest, I couldn't see how that was an issue to somebody yes. like us because I, I just didn't say it personally.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not an issue for us. We don't want anybody like that right now. We want the kids to play and, and all that yeah. stuff. So I'm not too worried about it. Lakers can
3: have Drummond. I suppose the other point um, in relation to the you know the buyout market is teams like Detroit losing Griffin now. They do save some right. money. So that's not you know everything, but they gain a roster spot, uh, which is probably the most important thing. Um, giving them a chance to, you know, sign somebody, um, right. be it a ten-day contract, be it someone from the uh, G League, um, and you don't know who you're going to hit. You just look at maybe Oklahoma City last year. They had Lou Dort um, yeah. as their two-way player, yeah. and you look at look at him now, and he's really sort of made a name for himself uh, and established established himself in the league. So. Um, Whilst I don't like the buyout market, um, there are benefits to sort of cutting loose the uh, the big earners.
0: Yeah, and I don't think. Listen, I, I don't think Detroit wanted Blake around anymore. I mean, like, just from a from a goal, you look what is every team's goal, and I don't think that the Detroit, who obviously is just stuck in in, in the ugly middle, um, and is playing the same lottery game as we are, needed a Blake Griffin around. So, um, I think those kind of buyouts kind of serve every party, I guess.
1: Or ha- has-been Blake Griffin, as I told him the other day. <laughs> he's dunking again. At least he's dunking again. Well, yeah, but how many, how many attempts has he had, though? Because he had one I on know. his debut, and he literally scored two points, if I remember rightly. That was his only bucket of the game. I find this funny, but there we go. We we, we have a bit of banter with our uh, Brooklyn Nets UK account, don't we? So, um, there we,
2: <laughs> the, ba- the uh, Brooklyn Bandwagon UK yeah sorry yeah
0: exactly <laughs> were they, were they, did they used to be new jersey fans or did they pick it up in the last, when they moved to brooklyn a couple of years ago they don't
3: know where new jersey is <laughs>
1: <laughs> good stuff good stuff um so our next episode we are recording on monday uh we've got one of our uk followers uh alan kane coming on with us um so we got uh well, we've got three games before then so we got the pelicans jazz and nuggets so we're rounding off this uh Five game West Coast road trip um, last week. Garrett got his weekly prediction half right. You said one and one, but you actually said we'd beat the Lakers.
2: I'd
3: have rather beat the Lakers. But we
1: would all go. rather beat the Lakers. We're going to
2: say that's that's a foregone conclusion, dude.
1: So um, so we play the Pelicans on Thursday, which is a one AM tip off over here. Jazz on Saturday at two, and the Nuggets on Sunday at three. Um, guys, predictions this week, going Kev? Are we gonna we're we gonna keep this? Because we've looked really, we've looked really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really competitive the last three games since we made the trade. The Portland game was a close game until uh, CJ McCollum started getting himself going in the last few minutes. And obviously the Lakers and the Clippers.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting, and I'm also more intrigued by it because we're playing a different style of basketball because Vuce isn't mm. there. So much flowed through Vuce the last eight years um, that just even seeing what it all looks like has been fascinating to me. And the fact that we're competitive makes it doubly so. Um, I know G is uh, is 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 sort of anxious that we're going to win some of these games, and I, but I, I will say uh, I do think we after after the letdown, I've seen this Magic team. Not that it was it's one to one, but. Uh, I've seen this magic team have some letdowns in the past. They only they they can only be so good for for a stretch of time. I, I unfortunately think we go over two.
1: We got three games. So you going three? Oh, sorry.
0: Oh, uh, oh, geez. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Pelicans, Nuggets. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I see. I see the schedule. Um. All right. I think we beat. I think we. I think we beat the Nuggets. Oh. I think. I, I think. I think we. I think there's an Aaron Gordon game. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> He, he didn't shower himself in glory, as far as the the comments on the way out. Uh, unlike Mooch, who obviously was so committed to the community and, yeah. and will be remembered fondly in Orlando, I think we we give it we give it our all and we, and we beat Denver.
1: It's, um, did you see his his post game comments after the second game? I don't know if you saw that. At uh, I don't all, think so. No. He come across better, but it seemed like the Nuggets' yeah. PR staff had had a little word in his ear. Yeah, say, yeah. I think you need to say something nice about Orlando on the next time. <laughs> The next time you're asked that question,
0: oh, but man. yeah, I just didn't like it. I just it just rubbed me the wrong way, but that's that's fine.
1: That's cool. Get yeah, right. Yeah.
3: Um, I think we're going to get a blowout uh, loss in the next couple of games, uh, just to bring us down to earth a little bit. Um, I can see us going zero and three now for, for the remainder of this road trip.
2: Paul? I'm saying that we uh we beat the Pelicans. In uh, the Wazoo Wando rematch, because he's now at the Pelicans, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> we we uh, I I we've won the last four games that we've played against them. We've won four of the last five visits to New Orleans. I think we take that. Um, Jazz and Nuggets are on a back to back, both at altitude. Um, we haven't won in Utah since 2015. Um and we've only won one of the last eleven visits to Denver. So one or two for me. But I would love us to beat the Denver Nuggets.
0: You gotta yeah. believe. You gotta believe. I think it I would love us to do that. We can we can get we have enough. I know this is worth gonna say we have enough NBA level players. This is not a yeah. barren wasteland. We have enough NBA players where we can get hot for an evening um and beat almost anybody in the regular season when it's not um, you know, maximum intensity.
1: I will say this: We've won three out of our last ten games, but so has Washington, Cleveland, Detroit, and Minnesota. Houston have only won two out of the last ten. So, gee, feeling a little bit down
3: because I <laughs> just I'm just a bit
1: nervous.
3: <laughs> Lottery night's going not gonna bad be because because
1: the other teams are all in the same boat. So, um, I'm going to say two. Uh, so I'm going to go one and two. Um. I'm going to say we beat the Nuggets as well, but I feel like the way we've been playing is going to keep us in games. Um, yeah, and then it just depends whether Dwayne Bacon goes off on one and we don't see him pass the ball for a second half and, you know, <laughs> Dwayne, Dwayne Bacon throwing up what he, what he can in, in 48 minutes. Um, yeah, so I'm going one and two. Um, guys, got anything else you want to add? Only that I'm surprised that
2: G's become a professional tanker. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's probably the one that
2: didn't want it be changing. He'll be changing his name to tank for whatever. Oh, he, no, he, no, he, no.
0: It reminds me, I used to be like that in like 2014, 2015. As I said, lottery night to me was the most stressful night of the year. Mm. And I would just sit there and we would always lose the lottery. We would always get the pick that we were, we were slotted for. We'd never, we'd never climb up and it was just agony. And after a couple of years, I realized again, it's a total crap shoot. You don't know. I mean, we, we, I remember we wanted Dante X so badly one year because we needed a point guard, all that stuff. Now I just, I just let it flow. Whatever
3: happens in the lottery yeah. happens and we just hope for the best
1: absolutely yeah the,
3: the issue is mikey runs a tankathon every day and the last <laughs> couple of days haven't been great and when we're picking seven you're like oh no yeah so um after the trade Trevor deadline a lab, I've got a draft.
1: after the trade deadline i was like let's just do it for the followers <laughs> let's just do yeah, a daily yeah. tankathon and just let them see how random it really can be and and yeah. again it's all luck in one night, isn't it? That's all it takes. Yeah, yeah. But I think we've gone as high as two, as low as six <laughs> with our own pick. Uh, this, the balls pick, well, we don't know. We'll have to see how they how they play out the rest of the way. Sorry. But, um, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so, guys, if you're uh, not following us, make sure you're following Orlando Magic UK on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and our YouTube channel where we post uh, the podcast. Um, make sure you visit our website, orlandomagicuk.com. Um, Paul's still putting up his all his game previews, uh, doing a few game reviews when we can. Yeah, I've got to catch up. <laughs> to
2: be honest, I've got to catch up on them, haven't I? <laughs> it's
1: cool. It's cool. All our enthusiasm is just getting sucked out of us a little bit. But um, yeah, there's the magic moments on there, which G's putting up every, you're updating yeah. that every couple of weeks. So we've got that on there for, yeah. for everybody on game days. Um, Kev thanks for giving us your time I know you've been super Any busy time, this guys. week um, no,
0: this is a blast
1: yeah so hopefully we can have you on again soon well, maybe we'll have, have you on after the lottery's done
0: oh my god <laughs> I hope can... G's okay after
1: that
2: <laughs> we, could have, we should have a penny for your thoughts lottery night special yeah oh, maybe we should yeah. live
1: stream it <laughs>
2: yeah no, <laughs> no.
0: i'll tell you what I'll, I'll i'll come on after lottery you don't want to see me on lottery night i lo- I will lock myself in a room and just not let anybody in i just it is it is uh, it's it, it's still even though i've tried to be zen about it uh i you know maybe i won't even watch it this year i'll just just try to get the results the next day
2: nice.
1: good stuff cool well thank you again for coming on That's um good. and we'll see you guys on monday time guys all right nice thanks on. for having me
2: yes go magic thank you. Go Magic. You've been listening to the Penny for Your Thought podcast from the guys at the Orlando Magic UK. Please subscribe to the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify and YouTube. Check out our website, theorlandomagicuk.com, the UK home for fans of the Orlando Magic and support us by using our links, the official NBA store and Fanatics for your official sports merchandise, including the NBA, the NFL and many more. Follow us at Orlando Magic UK on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Go Magic!